and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. So this is the second in our series on tribes in need of better commanders. I recommend listening to the first episode if you want a little bit more context and to, to hear the, the first tribes we covered. But I'll say that it's important to make the distinction that this is tribes that have a tribal commander, and we'll be going through those talking about which tribal commanders are best for each tribe and where there's opportunities for a better design to better meet the needs for a tribe. If you're interested in tribes that do not have any tribal support from a commander, I would recommend checking out the series Unsupported Tribes that we released last year. But I, th- I think with that, I'm going to give a brief uh, speech about our Patreon page, and then we'll jump into the tribes. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right, with that, uh, let's let's jump into it. With which tribe are we going to start today? Yeah, so today we are going to start with Merfolk. Definitely a fan favorite tribe. They, they have their adamant uh, and... Uh, fanatical followers. Um, they currently have around 1,700 decks on EDH rec. Um, and I think the most popular commander by far, uh, more or less, because he's kind of the only one, is Kumena, Tyrant of Raska, which is a 2-4 Merfolk Shaman for one green-blue. Tap another untapped Merfolk you control. Uh, Kumena can't be blocked this turn. Tap three untapped merfolk you control, draw a card. Tap five untapped merfolk you control, put a plus one, plus one counter on each merfolk you control. Um, so, definitely, I mean, th- there's definitely tech for Kumena decks. Like, Kumena decks work. I've seen them, and they're cool, and they can do cool things. But, like, this is not the design I would have thought about for a merfolk tribal commander. Um, do you want to get into Kumena a little bit? Yeah, I, th- I think that um, putting a plus one plus one counter on each Merfolk you control, that's great. That's a good reward for going wide, but the cost for doing so, tapping down your guys, doesn't really make sense. If you're tapping your, your army to make them bigger, then you're not getting in for damage. Like, at what point do you stop tapping them and actually turn them sideways? Yeah, and, and like I said, like I've seen these decks work because there is so much tech like there's um um uh, fiend liege which is a five mana four four horror um that costs two and then hybrid green blue hybrid green blue hybrid green blue it gives green creatures plus one plus one it gives blue creatures plus one plus one and then untap all green and or blue creatures you control during each other player's untap step that line of text right there is on a few different cards that people play in these lists a uh, quest for the gem blades yes. uh, seedborn muse yes there's a few different things that all do this so basically what you end up doing is just like getting one of these seedborn muse variants and like untapping your board and tapping your board and drawing cards and making your guys big but like it takes so much setup yeah Anything. you have to have five merfolk and the seedborn muse and your commander on the battlefield yeah there's really not that much efficient merfolk token production too which is another thing about this list like yes you might 
be playing uh, a jungle-born pioneer, which is kind of draft chat. A 2-2 green merfolk for two and a green. When it enters, you get a 1-1 blue merfolk creature with hexproof. You, you're probably running that in a Kumeta list just because you need the bodies, but that's not necessarily efficient, and most of the merfolk don't come with a friend. So when you get wrath, you, you feel it. Yeah. And you have to have multiples of three to draw cards to make up for the fact that you're just wrath three merfolk it works, but it's it's definitely not what I would have planned on if I was going to design a Merfolk commander. Yeah, there is uh, one alternative commander for Merfolk, another commander that specifically calls out Merfolk as a tribe. Sig River Guide is white and a blue for a 2-2 Merfolk wizard with Island Walk, and you can pay one and a white to give target Merfolk you control protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Would you say that this is a better fit for Merfolk as a tribe? Uh no i don't know like i feel like if he was doing a good job he would be higher like represented yeah that's numbers that's true he only has 151 decks out of the out of the 1700 um but even like avoiding that heuristic uh, i don't think that like giving protection really solves the problem of i commit a bunch of merfolk to the board and then i get wrathed yeah like the, the only thing that sig has going for him really is the fact that he's cheap um like that makes it so that when you do inevitably get wrathed in your kind of like blue aggro list, you aren't like you can build back pretty quickly with your cheap commander, but like it's not like most of the cards in Sig lists or most Merfolk cards really are in dire need of protection, you know? Like it's not like, oh good, now my Stony Book Schoolmaster, which whenever it becomes tap makes a one one, needed pro black this turn really bad. Yeah, I uh I agree. I think that just being in blue makes these decks a little bit more resilient to wraths because they do have counter spells, which is one of the the few good answers to wraths. But still, I don't think that the rewards they're offering for the tribe really line up with what Merfolk actually want to do. Yeah, exactly. Merfolk still has some design space open to it for a better commander. I think Kumena definitely fills a role and is is a deck like. I just don't think it's a very good merfolk deck. Yeah. Well, what are the the characteristics of the merfolk tribe? Like, what colors are they concentrated in? What are their pros and cons? What What would you build around if you were trying to make a merfolk commander? Yeah. Like the the big things with merfolk are they're primarily in blue. There are a few merfolk cards in white. Notably, I, I mentioned Stony Book School, Schoolmaster. Summon the school. Summon the school. So there's some cool stuff there but in green i think you actually do get a little bit more like the green merfolk just kind of give you a little bit more just because they help you out with lands Um, they also have a lot more lords they have a lot more lords um and then they just get a lot more like tricksy things in card draw and like there's the guys that explore so you're kind of like just drawing more cards in general with green and those are primarily the ixalan and the uh, ravnica merfolk so you get a just a little few more sets worth of green merfolk as well. They are typically evasive. They're typically small. It's really easy for merfolk to draw cards. So like whenever you draw a card, except the first one you draw in each of your draw steps, you put a plus and plus one counter on each merfolk you control is completely within the color pie uh, and something that merfolk are kind of doing anyway. There's a lot of merfolk cards that draw cards or help you draw cards or allow you to draw cards if you're merfolk hit players and stuff like that so like 
something like that fits right in with like what they're doing anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think would allow people to kind of build the merfolk deck they really want. Yeah, that's um, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking in terms of like, okay, the, the tribe is good at drawing cards. You probably are going to commit a lot of things to the board. So you want like a go wide reward. I think that would make sense. Yeah. And then like you said, you're, they're protected because you're in blue, because you can run counter spells. You don't really need to worry too much about wraths in comparison to maybe a color like mono white or boros or something like that where Mm -hmm. where you commit a bunch of cards to the board you don't get to draw the cards and you also don't have any counter spells so um i think it would be a pretty decent like aggro list that people would be into it kind of have a different flavor than a lot of the other ones all right uh the next tribe we're going to be talking about is knights so the primary colors for knights, um, they're, they're primarily in white. There's a decent amount in black, and then there's a, a small contingent in red. The, the, the pros and cons, there's not a lot of pros, honestly. The most common mechanical characteristics are like being cheap, having first strike or double strike. So maybe like maybe a pro is like combat damage triggers. Or sorry, like that's something you could build around, something mm-hmm. a hook. There aren't there aren't currently many, but having doubles maybe hitting multiple times or hitting first that's the pros. Mm-hmm. Um, cons they are extremely weak to to wraths. Uh, like all they really do is just you commit them to the board and then you watch them get swept away. Yeah, you get a bunch of two two first strikes and two two vigilances, and then they they get washed away in the tide. Mm. It's not super fun. Currently, there are six hundred and twenty four knight decks on edh rec and the most popular commander by far is sir gwyn so uh sir gwyn is three red white black for a five five with vigilance and menace she's a human knight and has whenever an equipped creature you control attacks you draw a card and lose one life equipment you control have equip knight zero uh really like this is almost less of a knight commander and more of like an equipped creature commander like the the benefit here for running knights is that they have low equip costs yeah yeah so you really don't need to load up the board with knights necessarily um and i think that's also one of the problems we'll get to with the next commander too is that you do have to commit a card to the board to make a knight typically um so if you do kind of curve out, like play a knight, play an equipment, play Sir Gwyn, equip the knight, attack, draw a card, lose a life, like th- that's not as busted as what other colors are doing or not as busted as what even like someone like SRAM might be doing where you're just kind of like tearing through your deck. It's just kind of lackluster. Yeah, like Sir Gwyn seems extremely fair to me. Yeah. Uh, she's very expensive in a color identity that doesn't have access to ramp. And she requires you to have both knights and equipment to benefit from the tribal effect. So it really puts a squeeze on your deck because you, you need to have both. And there's and if you draw like one type but not the other, then she doesn't really do anything. And it's also like you have to have perfectly matched knights and equipment one night with multiple equipment on it still only gets you one card yeah and one equipment can't be attached to multiple nights what about 
Ariel, Knight of Windgrace. What do you think about her? Yeah, there is another Knight Commander um, coming in with a little bit less than 400 decks. Ariel, Knight of Windgrace is a 4-mana, 4-4 Human Knight, 2 White-Black, Vigilance, 2 and a White, tap, create a 2-2 White Knight creature token with Vigilance, Black, tap, tap X, untap Knights you control, destroy target creature with power X or less. I also do not feel very good about Ariel. Ariel just doesn't do what knights do. Presumably, reading this card, like, let's say you uh, were like, oh, okay, I'm, oh, what does the knight tribal deck do in Commander? And you look at this card and go, okay, well, you use your, your vast army, your tokens, your, your thing you've accumulated, and you kill opponents and you make more knights. And then you look at the knight cards that exist and, like, they don't make more knights. Mm. Like, there's there's so few cards that efficiently make knight tokens and the ones that do make tokens typically don't make knight tokens too which is pretty crazy like i think it's pretty much like circle of loyalty which is a card from eldraine it's like a six mana legendary artifact and can like basically has a trigger when you cast legendary spells it makes knights and has an activated ability that makes knights and i can't really think about any other cards other than like history of banalia there's that really do it efficiently i mean there's a handful there's like gideon's phalanx which uh costs seven uh-huh yeah yeah because there, there's righteous confluence which makes could potentially make three knights for yeah, five mana that's true um but you're you're right in that there's not a lot and part of it is because knight tokens are defined as two twos so they're not going to be as generous as if you're making like one one soldiers or like one one goblins. Yeah, because there are cards that make knights or multiple knights, but they tend to cost like five or more. Mm-hmm. And like that, you, you can't. I, I would not going to work. Yeah, like the this card, Ariel. Like she doesn't care about the size of your knights. She just cares that you have a lot. So like the fact that they're two twos is a lot less important than having a bunch of them yeah yeah definitely I, I think the issues that ariel has is that it's it's not that knights don't have vigilance or something like that it's that there's just not a lot of them like i, I get kind of the clever gameplay of like you attack with your board and then you tap them and, and kill tap, a blocker yeah but there's just not a lot going on there to like utilize so knights i feel like definitely need a little bit more what do you think would be an appropriate reward for knights based on what we know about them? Uh, we know that they don't have great token generation. We know that they often have first strike or double strike. What should a knight commander do? Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this cause like, I think that there's definitely like a lot of good knight lords out there. Like some of the best lords are knight lords. There's ones that give double strike. There's one that give indestructible, like there's like life drain enchantments. There's a bunch of stuff that like really support knights. So I was thinking like a card that like quote upgraded your cards into knights or something like that. Like if you bounced a creature as a cost to get a knight token, like like promote it. That way you like don't necessarily spend too many cards to build up your board and then still get to use a lot of these like knight tribal effects that are there. And I think that'd be like flavorful. Like this guy like ascends into knighthood or something like that. Do you have, like, a cool idea you've been kicking around? Well, I was just thinking, like, giving them Death Touch would would make a lot of sense uh, if First Strike plus Death Touch is a pretty potent combo. And then some sort of 
way to either protect them from wrath or generate cards so that you don't mind so much when they all inevitably die. Yeah. yeah. That those would be like the two things I, th- I think that would make the most sense. Yeah. Some of these like night tribal rewards are so good. It's just like, there's no where to use them or there's no reason to use them. So like if we could get a night commander that like does actually do night stuff well i think that people would have a really good time with it really like looking especially like at sir gwen it's just it's all equipment it's like the best knights and then like cool equipment people like Mm -hmm. but the problem is like you get priced out of her immediately like oh yeah you cast your six drop and then somebody kills it and then you don't ever cast her again and you lose yeah yeah it doesn't matter like that she subsidizes your equipment, your equip costs if she's not there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, interesting dilemma. I think it's on their radar. I think we're going to get a knight commander at some point in the future, like probably sooner than later, but who knows? Probably not in a uh, Ikoria. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving on to the next tribe. It is cats. So cats are concentrated in green and white. Uh, one of the major pros for them are equipment synergies, thanks in large part to the uh, how they were defined mechanically in Mirrodin. Mm, not a lot of cons, not, not something that really sticks out. The deck count is currently 1,554 decks on EDHREC, and the most popular cat commander is Arabo, Roar the World, with 1,147 decks. So Arabo Roar of the World is three green white for a 5-5 legendary cat avatar. It has eminence at the beginning of combat on your turn. If Arabo is in the command zone or on the battlefield, another target cat you control gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. And then whenever another cat you control attacks, you may pay one green white. If you do, it gains trample and gets plus X, plus X until end of turn where X is its power. So what do you think about Arabo as a cat commander? Do you think he is effective? Uh, I would say effective, yes. I, I think one of the things Arabo does that I wouldn't have thought to build around just uh, is that a lot of cats over the years have been draft chaff. Mm-hmm. They've been like one, two, three mana guys who are like a three, one for two or like a one, two for one or like a one, one life link for one. And kind of what Arabo does is let you play those guys and they're good. Like you, you just got to drop one of these stupid cats and then Arabo goes, Hey bud, I got you. And then you all of a sudden are this like incredibly quick and pretty effective aggro deck. Like if you drop in a Dorn Pouncer on turn two, which is a one, one double strike for two, all of a sudden you're like hitting someone for eight on turn three, which is pretty fast like a lot of decks can't really deal with a clock that fast Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have thought initially that this is something that like cats really wanted i would have figured that cats wanted to kind of go wider but kind of looking at like the equipment synergies like that they do have and the fact that like you don't really need to invest that many cards to the board i actually do like arabo a lot more nowadays than i used to arabo is an interesting look at like tribal that other tribes don't really work on that same axis yeah going tall is an interesting direction for for a tribal deck and it definitely makes them feel distinct from other tribes it's 
really interesting. And the, they really did get a lot of what they needed. Like, you're in green, so you get the mana ramp. You're in white, so you do get tokens if you want that. And there's a lot of cat token production, especially from, like, Mirrodin and, like, over the years. Um, Amonkhet, there's a, just a ton of blocks with cat token production. Yeah, it's it's interesting how um, different tribes... Like, like, all tribal decks kind of have the same problem that they have to contend with, um, which is that, like, board wipes are really common in Commander, yeah. and uh, good tribal designs, like, find different ways to attack that that problem. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think this uh, is a good way to do that. So it, it I'm really happy with Arabo, and is one of those lists that, like, I almost make every other month and then don't. Uh, just because it is really fun. I've played other friends' Arabo lists, and they always are kind of a, a blast. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the next tribe we're going to be talking about is Warriors. The primary colors are, are red, followed by black, and then white. Uh, the major pro of the Warrior tribe is that it has a lot of lords. Oh, yeah. Weirdly, so. Yeah. Uh, an unusual number. Um, the deck count is at... 1,394 decks, and the most popular commander by far is Najila, the Blade Blossom. So Najila is two and a red for a 3-2 legendary human warrior. Whenever a warrior attacks, you may have its controller create a 1-1 white warrior creature token that's tapped and attacking. You can pay white, blue, black, red, green to untap all attacking creatures, they gain Trample, Lifelink, and Haste until end of turn. After this phase, there is an additional combat phase. Activate this ability only during combat. So uh, what do you think about Najila as a warrior commander? Do you think she is effective? Effective, yes. I definitely think Najila is an effective and very powerful list. But I kind of think that she's not a good warrior commander, if that makes sense. Like, yes, she's a good deck, but she's not doing what warriors i feel like would have done mm-hmm. um there's like a lot of token generation which is really cool uh there's a lot of like kind of go wideness that you can do and like all these lords really punish your opponents they can't like wrath you soon enough and this ends up looking a lot like another tribe we've talked about last time we did this tribal episode which was vampires mm-hmm. um you get a lot of tiny donks and they get buffed and they attack and then you get more donks and they get buffed and they attack and then if you don't combo out someone's probably dead anyway the play pattern is like remarkably similar you're just in five colors i find that kind of striking i think that's kind of strange uh and i think the only reason that she works so well is because she's so pushed yeah i think that um i i I totally agree that she is very effective she is not the perfect warrior design the, the token generation ability would almost work with any like cheap tribe. Yeah. Like that could say that, I mean that has a significant number of members. You could say Kifkin or soldier or something and it would not look out of place. Yeah. And, and also there are some things on here that just don't need to be there. It's not like a very clean design. There's almost no blue warriors at all. And, and certainly none that you would want to play. Yeah. Uh, green warriors is also somewhat deficient. This does not need to be a five-color design. I think this was like marking the beginning of the period when they started making a lot of five-color commanders. And I also don't know if the like extra combat stuff ability was necessary. Yeah. Like as 
it stood, just Najila and her, her warrior attack trigger was already like stronger than Krenko, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So so like to add this ability on top of that, not necessary, and it's what gives her the combo potential that can that turns her from a an aggro deck into a completely different archetype. So I think that like a a good warrior design would A have a lot more restraint, doesn't need the combo potential. And then like do you think that like the token generation ability is appropriate once you like shave off the excess, or do you think there's something that would better I guess it would have to be like what colors am I focusing in on? Because uh, if it's like a red green warrior deck, it might be something more with like mana. Uh, if it was like a red black warrior deck or some combination of all these, like you get a lot more of the lords and stuff like that. So I don't know in particular what I would do, but I I do think tokens is appropriate. I just think that like this is very pushed. I think that um, there's room for a warrior commander that's a little more fair. Yeah. But but speaking of other warrior commanders, there is another warrior tribal deck that we can touch on briefly. Yeah. So Lovisa Cold Eyes is three red red for a three three legendary creature human. Each creature that's a barbarian, a warrior, or a berserker gets plus two plus two and has haste. Um so this is a, an alternative warrior commander, and it's certainly a lot more more fair than Najila. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's centered in the 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 war the color that warriors are most heavily concentrated in. Um, but do you think that this is a, a better reward, or, or how do you feel about this reward for warriors? I think in mono red, this is not necessarily appropriate because one of the things about mono red is you get a lot of warriors. There are just a lot of warrior cards in mono red, but there's really hardly any token production. So you kind of end up with the same, uh, a similar problem to some of these other tribes where you're committing a lot of like knights, for instance, you're committing a lot of cards to the board but they're real cards and then they get rasped and you can't really come back from that. But the, the bright side is they had haste. Mm-hmm. So you do get some value out of them pretty much immediately upon entering the battlefield. But, but I'd like, I'd push back a little bit. I, I, well, I think that one of the problems with granting haste on like a five cost commander is that, uh, like you want to give, like what happened on turns one through four, like those creatures didn't have haste. Like you're, if you're trying to curve out with warriors by the time you cast her, like your opponents have enough mana to wrath you. And I don't think it's, you're going to get as much value off the haste as you are off the pump. No, I definitely agree with that. This was definitely a card from a a time when they weren't thinking about this kind of stuff. They were just like, uh, making Lords like her card actually says Lord on it. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, fortunately, I don't think she's the, the right one either. But there's there's room to for there's room to play around with designs for warriors for sure. Yeah, yeah. They, I think we're for some reason they they have picked up on warriors again, and they're going to be printing more cards. I'm assuming with the warrior type. So that means that Najila is just going to get better. But it also means that eventually we're going to have uh, probably another option that fits more with the play styles that have been printed. Which I think kind of brings us to the next tribe. Yes. The next tribe is Elementals. Uh, the, the primary colors are green and red, and then like a bit in blue, and then a very small amount in black and white, due largely in part to like their five-color nature in Lorman block. 
Yeah. And a lot of times, like, just generically so, if a creature is, like, a, a weird thing or, like, a concept, they'll just make it an elemental. Mm-hmm. So you'll get, like, a random black elemental in, like, a Zendikar set or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so the, the pros for this tribe, uh, they're very good at ramp because they're so centered in green. There's also a fair bit of red elemental token generation. Um, they, they actually, I think, come second to goblins in terms of red token generation. Yeah, it, th- I think the big difference there is that a lot of them don't last that long. There's mm-hmm. a lot more like, for this turn, get some elementals, uh, whereas goblins obviously... Tend to stick around. Stick around a lot more, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they rely on you to, to kill them instead yeah. of doing it themselves. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, so Elementals currently have 1,283 decks on EDH Rec. The most popular commanders are Omnath Locus of the Royal with 564 decks. Um, so Omnath Locus of the Royal is one, one green, blue, red for a 3-3 legendary Elemental. When he enters the battlefield, it deals damage to any target equal to the number of Elementals you control. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target elemental you control. If you control eight or more lands, draw a card. What do you think about this as an elemental commander? Oh boy. Um, so this guy in particular, you have to do so much work before you get the good landfall triggers going. Mm-hmm. And then like you have to get to eight lands, which is, uh, I mean, that takes a decent amount of the game to get to. And then his ETB is just like not going to be doing that much. It's kind of weird one to build around. I feel like there's a lot of disjointed synergies on this card. It's like they looked at elementals and were like, Oh, cool. And then like, like kind of randomly threw like a word bag on the wall of things they thought elementals did instead of like actually build into what the tribe was trying to do yeah if you look at just the power of the abilities like okay burning something for the number of elementals on etb you you kill something and then maybe omnath will die later and you get to do it again but that's not where the card's power is concentrated yeah same for adding counters on things like that's not putting a single counter on a single creature is not extremely powerful no like the card's power is concentrated in getting landfall triggers once you already have eight lands and that's a very different deck from like an elemental tribal deck yeah yeah that that's that's just like one of the better landfall triggers that you could print yeah and uh, it's just tatiova but with an extra color yeah so it's it's i mean you do get some tech like as as people know like there's risen reef uh, and stuff like they're elementals that help you get there, but that's not necessarily just what elementals do or like build into. This is definitely like a lands deck and not as much an elementals deck. So I I don't think this does a very good job of rewarding elementals in a way that they would like. Um, but there's more, <laughs> there's more Omnaths even. Do we want to talk about the next most popular one though? Let's talk about the next most popular one. Okay. So it, th- the next most popular one is Horde of Notions. Um, currently coming in with, uh, 338 decks. Um, Horde of Notions is a five, five, uh, for Wooburg, white, blue, black, red, green with vigilance, trample, haste, and an activated ability, a white, blue, black, red, green. 
You may play target elemental card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. I think nowadays it's cast. But um, basically, this five-color beater, and you can pay uh, five colors to cast a elemental from your grave. There's a few axes you can build around this on. Uh, one of the ideas of this card was it was Lorwyn block, and the elementals had evoke. So it was like you evoke your elemental, get an advantage early, and then Horde of Notions comes down and you can cast them for five colors from your graveyard, get more uh, value off of them. But kind of that said, I think this is kind of an antiquated build for this. You're not necessarily cheating on too many mana costs doing this, and five color itself is not the hardest to assemble, but like not that much of a discount a lot of the time for like what you're getting. Yeah, like... I mean, there's a lot of powerful elementals that cost, you know, three mana, four mana, like Prison Reef. Uh, It's really only like the set. There's only a handful of like seven mana elementals that you'd really be getting a a discount on. And even then, it's it's not an enormous discount. Yeah. Like Maelstrom Wanderer is an elemental. So like, obviously, you're that's one of the ones that you're like, oh, yeah, I got a a ton of value off of this. Or Avenger of Zendikar. Yeah, Avenger of Zendikar. But like, you're not really like super like stoked to be like oh yeah my my forgotten ancient is here now Mm -hmm. or like oh yeah slither muse yeah like like these these like four or less mana guys are not you're not super pumped to to spend five on Mm -hmm. he'll always have a special place in my heart i do love horde of notions but i think that you could kind of do a little bit better i think this was an attempt at five color elementals in a non-offensive way and also this is before they were really designing for commander exactly i just think that it would look different nowadays i do i do appreciate that they were building into the mechanics of the set the next most popular elemental commander is omnath locus of rage which is three red red green green for a five five legendary elemental it has landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control Create a 5-5 red and green elemental creature token, and then whenever Omnath, Locus of Rage, or another elemental you control dies, Omnath deals 3 damage to target creature or player. So, how do you feel about uh, this as an elemental commander? A little bit better, but also not at all because he costs 7. Because, like, these, the trigger is, like, both both of them, the landfall and the dies trigger are, are like, savage beatings just like incredibly powerful like if you can put this guy down and then like pop even just like an evolving wild like all of a sudden you're you have 15 power on board and if you wrath you deal like nine to something Mm -hmm. like that's that's pretty worth seven mana but at the same time your game plan isn't really starting until you get to seven and you're not really running fun elementals you're running a lot more of those like elementals that sack themselves and elemental token production as opposed to maybe some of the fun elementals that have been printed over the years like like you're you're not super like you run for lid but like you're not super excited about it like you're not really going to run soul of the harvest mm-hmm. uh, which is a 6/6 six, six trample whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control you may draw a card and is an elemental um, like stuff like that like the fun elementals are just not gonna get played yeah i totally agree with you i think it's similar to omnath locus of the royal in that like the power is concentrated in the landfall ability 
And whereas Omnath, Locus of the Royal, it's a landfall deck that starts once you hit eight lands. Omnath, Locus of Rage is like a landfall deck that starts once you hit seven mana. They're both really similar in that they're, you're ramping lands like crazy onto the battlefield in the early game, and then you're um, just trying to farm landfall triggers after that once you land your commander. I mean, like you said, I don't think uh, it really synergizes with what elementals care about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely powerful, but, like, that's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really, like, elementals as a tribe are kind of lacking what they need. And Uh, and I think you can see that, like, with most of the the tribes we've talked about so far that had a single commander that was taken up, like, you know, 75% or 80% of the decks, that usually indicated that it was a good commander for the tribe. But here we see a much flatter distribution. You have 560, 330, 150. There's not one deck that has like a huge majority. Let's take a look at the the tribe's strengths. Um, So there's some solid ramp options in these colors. You've got Risen Reef, you've got Leafkin Druid, uh, Titania, Animar, Generator Servant, Smoke Braider, there's a, a lot of elementals that help accelerate you. There's also a lot of strong enters the battlefield and leaves the bat- battlefield triggers on elementals because of the Lorwyn block and the Morning Tide and also like the M20 Cavalier cycle, a lot of power there. And the tribe also has like good like go wide token production with like Tempt with Vengeance, Tilanali Summoner, Zendikar's Royal, Master of Waves and go tall token production with Titania again or Omnath Locus of Rage. So uh, a couple ideas, like maybe you could pay mana and sacrifice an elemental to to blink uh, elementals. Mm -hmm. And then that way, like you can turn the elemental sack fodder into extra uses of your, your ETB elementals. Or like whenever you cast an elemental spell, put a plus one plus one counter on each elemental with a lower converted mana cost than that spell. So that encourages you you to cast the more expensive elementals and like rewards your token production. Yeah, yeah, that one seems really fun. But it's a tricky problem. Yeah, yeah. It's just the the tribe itself is so wide and varied. It just be five color tribes, this is I think just a thing about them. You either have to focus in on part of them and then people are gonna complain that they don't get to play X card or Y card or something, or you have to kind of come up with these really clever solutions to these problems that the tribe is having and those can be really hard to do effectively or like fairly or like in a powerful enough level that it actually allows the tribe to work if any of you have exciting solutions for for how to crack this nut please let us know um you know we're always taking submissions for future custom commander episodes Mm -hmm. but um with that i think that is the end of the episode all right, uh, we have some listener questions. All right, the next question comes to us from Swampy Logs. What are some tribes you expect or predict will get more support soon? Well, the, the easy answer is allies in Zendikar this fall. A little bit more, more risky guess. I think um, sea monsters and or beasts in Ikoria. I'm, I'm still kind of hoping that Serpent of Yawning Depths the theme booster exclusive from uh, Theros Beyond Death. I'm hoping that was a seed for uh, large animal tribal, which as a theme like kind of fits with what we know of, uh, of Ikoria so far. 
Yeah, we know that it's weird, and we know that there's like big, big things, big things. So krakens, leviathans, octopuses, serpents, like let's kind of cross our fingers for a little bit more support there. Mm-hmm. I I agree pretty much with that sentiment. I I'm really hoping that we actually see some like beast tribal coming out in Akoria. There's been limited beast tribal over the years, but not in a way that like matters. Mm-hmm. So I would really like to see a deck open up to that incentivizes me to put these big guys in a list. Another slight guess, this one's like even less likely to come true, but human tribal. We've just seen a lot of human token generation from Eldraine and Theros Beyond Death, and maybe we'll see that in Akoria, perhaps yeah. in the Commander Precons. <laughs> maybe. We'll find out. We'll find out. Akoria, uh, the previews start way sooner than I think anyone realizes, so... Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get it going pretty quickly. This is kind of my long shot one is also Merfolk, just because like the if they're putting Regery in historic, and there are going to be like big monsters. I, like I'm wondering if that Merfolk is going to be the characteristic tribe for Blue in Ikoria. That would be my prediction. Like I, kind of a more long shot guess in the same way that humans is, but I, I'm just wondering if like the tiny creatures are going to be merfolk in Ikoria, but I, I don't know. We'll find out. All right. Uh, the next question comes to us from Addison. Are tribes a lazy deck building strategy? I've heard it said before, and I think there's some merit to it. Tribal strategies are basically telling you what to build. What do you think about this? I think it depends on the commander. I think it depends on what the commander is doing. As an example, you have Krenko. And Krenko just says, I want a lot of goblins. Krenko says, have a lot of goblins. Tap me. I'll give you more goblins. So you are going to be running a lot of goblins, but I've seen people win with Krenko in many different ways. I've seen people win with Krenko with Skirk Fire Marshal. I've seen people win with Krenko by, like, sacking goblins and dealing damage. I've seen people win with Krenko by comboing with uh, Lightning Crafter. Um, I've seen people win with Krenko just by playing, like, a... A quest for the goblin lord and all of a sudden all your goblins are three ones and you attack so you could say that there is some um, paint by numbers with tribal lists and i think that's the biggest criticism that people have against tribal lists but i think that the fact that like there's multiple zombie commanders that are viable kind of shows me that like there's space within just putting a bunch of these things in your list that share a type line i'll, I'll come at it from a slightly different direction i think that um tribal is often uh more linear it often does tell you what to put in and like the gatherer searches you have to do for a tribal list are a lot simpler than for other archetypes that being said i do not think there's anything wrong with that i think that there are a lot of decks and commander that are really really hard to build like non-determinate combo decks require a ton of thought a ton of searching um, it's really hard to figure out the the right way to optimize it. And and that's great for people who want a challenge in their deck building, who want to feel really clever when they're assembling this deck. There's so much you can do, but there needs to be an on-ramp for players to enter into the format. And tribal is one of the easier ways to do that. Like, I really think cats are cool. I, I want to play commander with cats and you can just point someone towards a Rabo and the commander is going to tell them what to do. And it's not going to be that hard for them to figure out how to, build that deck and that's that's good there needs to be a scale of different um difficulties for players who are at different levels and if tribal is generally easier and like control is generally harder that's 
totally fine. Yeah, I, I also agree with that, like, gradient. Like, there needs to be a gradient and for, for new players, but also something that I've learned over the years is how many people play Commander kind of just as a an excuse to hang out with their friends, which is great. Like, that's that's wonderful. And a lot of times those people don't want to think about even like just a lab maniac kind of combo they just want to like sit down and they want to have a deck that they care about they want to have their like azuri tribal list and whenever there's a new good elf they go oh i can go and get this good elf and put it into this deck and just one of the things that makes commander so good is that there's all these different archetypes and some of those archetypes should be a little bit more easy to grok because just there's going to be all types of players and there's going to be the person who wants to sit there with their merfolk and there's going to be the person who wants to sit there with their like Maseric combo and there's going to be the person who wants to sit there with like their graveyard shenanigans and they should all be able to sit down at a table and have a decent time mm-hmm. yeah i agree with you where i don't think that's bad and i think that you still do get a little bit of flavor like if i've definitely made some tribal lists before they're fun at the moment but uh I definitely don't fault anyone for wanting to play a tribal list. Kind of by default, they're going to open up cards to play with. Arabo being a perfect example. Most cats are really bad. One mana, two mana, vanilla creatures. But all of a sudden, Arabo makes them very strong. Mm-hmm. So that's that's not a bad thing. All right. Uh, one last question, also from Addison. I'm increasingly concerned that different tribes are becoming slivers, but with limitations. Like, are goblins just red slivers? I'd push back on that. I think that, like, yes, slivers are everything, but most tribes do occupy some sort of, or, or, like, have some sort of mechanical space assigned to them. Even if it's something as simple as, like, well, vampires tend to be small creatures. Whereas, like, slivers run the gamut, Sometimes they draw cards, sometimes they tap for mana, sometimes they are hyper-aggressive, sometimes they like protect or recur themselves. That's really just because they're a five-color tribe. Like Most tribes are limited to a single color, and their mechanics tend to be limited to what that color can do. Well, could, could I assist here a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think like one of the problems that Slivers have is the same problem Kicker has, where because Sliver is a tribal mechanic in all five colors, it kind of encompasses most things you can do with the tribe. And so that's why, like, nowadays when you're looking at tribes, they aren't necessarily just doing the same things. Like, lords don't exactly look the same anymore. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it's just, like, plus one, plus one to your team. But a lot of times when there's synergy with a tribe, so, like, if you look at Merfolk and Ixalan, there's, like, creatures you control plus one plus one counters are unblockable and that wasn't specifically calling out merfolk but it was tying into what merfolk did which was have plus one plus one counters in Ixalan. so i think what they're doing nowadays especially and what they've done in the past is tie in these mechanical designs that are specific to colors and uh when they put them into a tribe like stay pretty true to that so like what do to use merfolk as, as an example again they're a blue they're kind of sneaky they like swim around you and stuff like that so they have a lot of unblockability they draw cards when they hit you um they can get bigger they can twiddle things like tap and untap things and that is going to be different than like goblins that were brought up here which are small you can make a lot of them really quickly and really cheaply uh you kind of have to figure out what to do with them Mm -hmm. to win where merfolk you can kind of just be like now they're unblockable this almost feels like um 
you could rephrase this question as I'm increasingly concerned that like most color identities are just five color, but with limitations. Yeah. That, I think that's, what's really going on here. Like slivers feel like they can do everything because their color identity can do anything. Yeah. And it's really just, I, I'm sure that like with another five color tribe, it would be hard to like, it would tend to gravitate towards slivers because it can do everything. Yeah, as in Sliver's color identity. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think one of the only reasons that, like, Najila doesn't feel like Sliver's is because it's kind of a combo list. It's like, that's, there aren't warriors, and there haven't been warriors printed over the years at the same volume that, like, Sliver's have been printed that kind of just do the generic y things Sliver's do. Like, now they have haste, now they're bigger, now they fly. And also because, like, you know, we've said before, Najila's design is also kind of a cop-out like oh yeah for sure like there's nothing blue about that no like like warriors aren't gonna draw cards that well because they're not really a blue tribe yeah and that's something that i'm wondering about we are one day i would put money on gonna see like a five color human commander at some point Mm -hmm. i don't know when that's gonna be like i I don't think that'll be a a choria or something like that like we might get a human commander it came in uh, modern horizons it was called morophon the boundless oh there you go Yeah. yeah yeah five color humans um but I doubt, I, I just think that Wizards is very conscious of the sliver problem in the same way they're conscious of the kicker problem, uh, where everything is kicker. And I think every tribal in some degree is a sliver. So they're really conscious of like making the distinctions to have them not be quite like that. I guess in essence, I agree with you. Uh, slivers but limitations is kind of just how tribal works. And that's not tribal's fault. That's sliver's fault. I would say. Yeah. Or even just how color identity works. But yeah. yeah. Um, with that, I think we're going to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Cooper, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, and Kyle. Thank you all for supporting the show. If you aren't currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. And Zach is at fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln continental by entropy. And you can check them out on SoundCloud until next time. We're going back to the drawing board.